You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Well, it's not exactly a happy Monday, but it is a Monday, so... We are back. We are doing it. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it is your team. Every day, I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Obviously, we've had some time to digest what happened on Saturday with uh, with everything. Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't great, uh, obviously, the way things ended up going. But at the same time... There are some good things that came out of it. We're going to touch on the bad. We're going to touch on the good. Probably going to start on the bad because that's what comes to front of mind. Why did Michigan lose? There's multiple reasons. A lot of them are equal in in different ways. This was a perfect confluence of events where if any of the things that went wrong, if one of them didn't, Michigan wins the game. And that's the unfortunate thing. And whether it's some of the self-inflicted, Red zone woes, and not even red zone was just drive stalling out. This is an issue that has been recurring, right? Happened against Nebraska. If you score touchdowns rather than field goals, right? Where all this praise heaped upon Jake Moody. Jake Moody's doing so great. He's three for three. He's four for four. Whatever it may be, it shouldn't even be kicking that many. I understand now. If it's forty something yards out, fifty yards out, then cool. But when you're when you get within that green zone, you have to you have to start treating it kind of like the red zone. It's a must score situation. Uh, so you have that. You have the the bobbled punt, uh, which came uh, which meant that uh, Brad Robbins trying to run for a first down, a yard shy of getting there. That comes after an offsides on fourth and one, where Michigan was going for it, right? So like. That's it. Michigan was moving the ball. It seemed like if it needed a few yards against Michigan State, it was able to get it. Some questionable play calls, right? Like third and three on the penultimate drive. Why is Michigan with two minutes left going for the touchdown to end to to get the lead? You have that opportunity, that ability with two minutes left to truly ice the game. You have two plays to get three yards, and you're going for it all. That's not good, right? That's a questionable call. We now know at least that J.J. McCarthy was in because Cade McNamara was in the medical tent, uh, but I I was of the opinion at that point it got to be done with the the J.J. McCarthy experiment for the for this game, right? Cade McNamara was balling out. I'm still seeing negative comments about Cade McNamara. It makes no sense to me. I understand he did make a mistake throwing the interception that was forced. Cade McNamara is not why you lost that game. Not even a little bit. Cade McNamara was excellent on Saturday. Excellent. Yeah, he missed some throws, but guess what? Everyone misses some throws. Everyone. Tom Brady is not 100% on a weekly basis, and not every single issue is because the receiver made a mistake. Every quarterback misses throws. The nitpicking that happens with Cade is what happens for any Michigan quarterback uh, essentially it's, it's, this is a redux of the, uh, Tom Brady and, uh, Drew Henson saga in my eyes in a lot of ways, but, uh, Cade McNamara was electric in pretty much every way, 383 yards, 
two touchdowns, uh, obviously one interception. But just when it started to feel, and if Michigan, especially in the second half, if Michigan needed to pick up a third down, for the most part, if in the right play call, it was going to happen, right? That that last drive backed way up, second to last drive, backed way up. It's third down and nine or whatever. Cade converts like that. It became one of those things where it was just, it felt like he was just completely in rhythm. Everything was going the way it should be. Uh, then you've, but so that's a good thing, obviously we'll touch more on that momentarily. Then you have, uh, the, the obvious lack of being able to cover, uh, or not cover, but being able to tackle Kenneth Walker going into this game. I thought apparently erroneously then, and again, everyone pretty much seemed to think Joel Klatt and plenty of others that we talked to seemed to have the idea that this was going to be a game where it was going to be Peyton Thorne and his receivers against the Michigan secondary. That wasn't the case. It was Kenneth Walker. That they, they, Essentially, it went reverse. They were able to keep the defense honest on Kenneth Walker by occasionally having some pass plays. But for the most part, the secondary played great in pass coverage. A little bit different when it came to the run game. Uh, not very good tackling. The linebackers did not have a good game this week. Uh, particularly in the second half. Lots of missed tackles. Thought they did a good job in the first half, even though his yardage was pretty much split uh, between first and second half. Uh, obviously, he got the the bulk of his touchdowns, his scores in the second. That's when it really got to got to Michigan, and it just it, eventually, I mean, you got to figure something out. And uh, I, I don't think it's that they didn't make adjustments. They didn't execute. Uh, there was a lot of missed tackles in the game, and that was what made a huge difference there. Uh, aside from that, I mean, there's there's the officiating. The officiating, I'm not, I, I, I want to differentiate the difference between saying the refs cost the game and saying officiating is part of the reason why things didn't go well for Michigan. When you go, what is it, 0 for 6 or 0 for 8 on reviews, Michigan was one of the least penalized teams in the country. Michigan State had been one of the most penalized, and somehow that is a disparity switched in this particular game. I I don't I don't think so, right? Uh, I have no problem with if you call Ken- Kenneth Walker the first score a touchdown, but if you call that first score a touchdown, you have to be consistent and say that other one also doesn't have substantial enough evidence. The Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, fumble recovery in the end zone does not have substantial enough evidence to overturn it. Uh, I don't like that. The, I, I'm fine with the targeting being pulled away when it looked like the player was going for uh, Hassan Haskins' knees. What I don't like is that it's not a personal foul, right? Like it still should be unsportsmanlike conduct for, for or a personal foul or something because he's still he's clearly going after his knees in my eyes in that play. Um, just the fact that you were over over six or over eight, I don't remember the exact number on on reviews. It just seems a little fishy when that's the case, you know. Like I understand you're going to get some home cooking. Michigan never seems to, but generally you think that the home team's going to get something. Michigan did not was not the benefactor of anything except for uh, a holding call. And I mean, let's talk about holding calls. That Andrew Anthony one, that's a negligible one at best but they're not calling it on the other end. They're not calling the pass interference that probably should have been on Cornelius Johnson. The decision of when to use a flag and when to swallow a flag 
It has to be consistent both ways, otherwise the game is not fair. And that's one of the things that we were talking to Jim Harbaugh on Monday last week when I asked him about Aiden Hutchinson and his the holding calls that he doesn't get. He said, you hope the officials call a fair game. You hope you get a fair game. This was not a fair game. Again, I'm not taking away credit from Michigan State. Michigan State, they they battled back. They stayed in there. They made plays when Michigan Michigan was settling for field goals when they were getting touchdowns. You take away either of the two-point conversions, the game looks a lot different, right? Because then suddenly Michigan at least could kick a field goal when it's uh, instead of going for the the fourth down, they're automatic in that case. Then I'm fine with the field goal, you know? Try to to tie it up. Try to send it to, to overtime. But just a confluence of events. Take one thing away, one of any of the above, and everything is different. Let's continue talking about this game. Certainly we've got more, uh, and this is going to be our one, one day to dwell on it. And then we'll move on. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see <laughs> anyway. All right. College football fanatics. Have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this. I know you will too. Prize picks is a leader in college sports, daily fantasy. Uh, prize picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the power five, as well as the mid major players you might not have ever even heard of. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. So if you make your deposit and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. You can pick two to five players and over under on the projections and win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. PrizePix allows uh, mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. You You probably should do that, actually. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. PricePix is safe and offers fast withdrawal, so don't hesitate. Check out PricePix.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. PricePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, so Missouri's just like me wandering around here makes me think something's up. I, I think the, the negative energy coming out of that Michigan State game is crazy. So let's talk about, we've talked about a lot of the bad there. Uh, that, that's some, probably not all of the bad. Question some of the coaches' decisions in some of the cases. Need some execution in some others. Obviously, there's other things like substitutions defensively, other things like of that nature. But uh also want to talk about some of the good things because there is some good. Right, this is bad. Obviously, it feels bad. This is not fire everybody bad. It feels awful because it's Michigan State. I think Michigan really looked the better team, looked the part of a better team for ninety percent of the game, and that's what makes it, I think, really tough to swallow. The season is not over. Andrew Vistardis is absolutely correct with this. The season's not over, not even close. Comment: It's not because I think about twenty eleven. How many of you? When you think of 2011, first thing you think of, and or you know feel is maybe the season wasn't very good because you didn't beat Michigan State. I don't think anyone really thinks that way, right? You think about beating Ohio State. You think about the Sugar Bowl. It's I mean that was a two loss season. They lost to Iowa too, but this is not it's not the end of the world. Alabama, I believe the one year they won the national championship, they lost to Auburn in week uh, week 13. Then Auburn goes and loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, and then Alabama comes out and beats Georgia. I'm not saying that Michigan's going to beat Ohio State, but 
I think that if you watched Ohio State, Penn State, and I saw some comments because I mentioned this on Morning Drip, but I saw some comments about, hey, you know, Penn State always plays Ohio State close. I don't care that that happens right now because all we saw is the Ohio State offense being limited against a good defense. I don't think Michigan's defense is necessarily as good as Penn State's, but we saw that happen, right? We saw now Ohio State's offense has looked awesome, and I was a little bit leery after they did to Indiana's defense what they did because Indiana's defense is very good. But the difference is, is Penn State, Penn State was able to find ways to score after the offense had been awful, and Ohio State, it took them a while to get there. So that makes me think, okay, if some of these plans have changed, some of these things that we've talked about have changed, maybe Michigan can find a way. But obviously, you got to get through the next three weeks first. I think Michigan has a really good shot of beating Penn State. I think Michigan is certainly better than Penn State. And if they don't beat Indiana and Maryland, then okay, it is a debacle. But certainly, if you can get to that Ohio State game 10-1, and one, things, are, things are on the up and up, right? You're, you're in a position where hopefully you get up for that game because Ohio State certainly will. So everything's on the table. And what you got, because here's the thing, is people are always looking for the reasons on a weekly basis to, to have some optimism about Ohio State. Now, Michigan only put up 33 points. That's, that is not good enough to beat Ohio State, no, in itself. The running game, that was stalled out for some, to, to some degree, 140-something yards, okay, not great. You know, not when you, you're used to getting a lot more than that. And I understand Michigan State's pass defense is not very good, but now we at least know that if you need Cade to throw for about 400 yards in a game, he can do it. He certainly can. I think that that is, we've seen Ohio State give up big passing yards. I believe it was to Tulsa. Uh, we've seen them give up big rushing yards multiple times in the first couple of weeks. Certainly, if Michigan can get its ish together, everything is kind of right there. You know, you, you certainly have that capability to offensively perform with them. But you got to figure out your red zone and your stalling out woes when you get into the green zone. You really have to figure out what you need to do in order to finish those things, finish those drives out without settling for field goals. You got to figure out some defense when you're going up against a, an explosive offense because that's certainly what Ohio State's going to be. But we've seen them do okay. If you can hold Ohio State to 37 like Michigan State or 29 like Nebraska, that's a giant win, but that's the number one offense in the country. They're probably not going to, but at least you can see the steps that are being taken to where that can be a positive, right? So I think that that's, uh, th there, there's that. The fact that Caden McNamara was efficient. He made mostly smart decisions, save for the last decision. Uh, he, he, I think that you've just got a lot going for it. And I think the emergence of Andrew Anthony is very important because Andrew Anthony has the look of that receiver that Michigan's been missing. He's what Cornelius Johnson is supposed to be and has shown at times to be. I know this is one game, so I'm not trying to overreact. But, hey, they had a couple 50-50 balls they needed to get. His touchdown, he just went up over the, the, the corner and got it. When was the last time we've seen a Michigan receiver do that? It's been, I, I feel like we didn't really see it last year. It had to be a perfectly placed throw, all of those things. And it was a perfectly placed throw, but still. 
that certainly, you know, another receiver, I'm not 100% sure that they come down with that. He's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got it all. If he can emerge, if he can continue to emerge, that could really have the Michigan offense take off a bit. So the, I love the pass protection as well. We're used to saying, hey, it's really good run run offense. Pass protection, again, really good, especially against the team that gets the most pressure uh, in the country. Really? Pretty much untouched, you know? Uh, Cade McNamara was. So that's good. Um, I think that even like some of the bad things, like with JJ, that's that's good in the sense that it's a learning experience. We need to see getting him in the game, getting him a touchdown, and him even having mistakes against Michigan State, that'll help if you need to have him against Ohio State. So I think that just in general, having these learning experiences are, it's not not ideal, not not coming against a rival, uh, but it is it is what it is. You just got to swallow it, and, it, and it's, it is what it is. But uh, I think that there's some some building blocks to work with, and I understand we're in week, you know, week ten now, nine ten. I don't really know what week it is, but uh, and and you don't want to hear about learning and all these things. But the the thing is, is we've seen this team evolve. We've seen this team do different things, different weeks. We've seen them win in different ways, and uh, now we've seen that they can theoretically if the defense could have held and or any of those different things one of those different things went their way they could win I mean the offense played well enough to win even with the the multiple field goals instead of touchdowns certainly it's in a it's a position in which you feel like if the offense needs to try to win the game it probably most likely can it didn't end up doing it this week ultimately but these are the types of things where you're seeing things starting to work, starting to click on that side. Uh, and this is uh, the best offense that Michigan will face until Ohio State. So it is what it is. Um, not great, but anyway. All right, so we are going to continue uh, here momentarily. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about Built Bar. You all know much I love Built Bar. The peanut butter brownie is easily my favorite. I never thought anything would top. What was the other one? I see. I don't even remember the other one. That's the thing. Um, oh, the uh, coconut brownie chunk, I think, is what it is. Built Bar, if you don't know what it is, it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I am a glutton. I have two at a time, almost always. Not always, but almost always. But the good thing is, with it being high protein, low calorie, low carb, I can have two, and it's still less calorie, higher protein than getting a Metrics Big 100 which used to be my go-to. Uh, anyway, so go to built.com, put in promo code LOCK15. That's built.com, promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your next order of Built Bar. All right, so final thoughts here on the game. We'll just kind of probably keep this short because I think we've covered a lot of my thoughts here. Uh, I understand the devastation that comes with this loss, right? It is, It was a devastating loss. Uh, I, I think that the all-or-nothing approach, though, the, you know, this is now a failure of a season, blah, blah, blah. Listen, Michigan State is vastly improved, as is Michigan. It's, it's bad. I'm not saying this isn't bad. There is shame, so I'm not saying there isn't shame. But in the scheme of losing to Michigan State this year and how good that team is, there is no shame in it. 
There is shame in losing to Michigan State. There is shame in losing to or losing your 16-point lead in what very well could have been it even larger than that, 18 points had they not made, you know, or even 20 points if they missed both of their no, sorry, I have that backwards. It's a 16 point. Lead. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to do math on the fly here and trying to remember the course of the game, and I'm not doing a very good job of it. You all don't pay me to math. Uh, but nonetheless, it's not that it was not good, right? It it hurts. It's gonna hurt for a while. It's gonna hurt at least until you, you get the Penn State. If you can get the Penn State win, then cool. If you get the Ohio State win, you're not gonna remember any of it. Michigan State fans can sit there and chirp all they want. If Ohio State, if you beat Ohio State, you ain't going to care. No one cared in 2011, right? When when Michigan got selected to go to the Sugar Bowl over Michigan State, when Michigan State had beaten Michigan, how much joy was that? I was a fan at the time. I was like, I don't even care. It's actually almost worth it to lose to Michigan State, just to be like, enjoy your Cinderella season because you still don't get anything from it. So it's... uh. It's one of those things where there's still four regular season games left. If you, it will feel really disappointing if it's ten and two, and they lose to Michigan State and Ohio State. However, this was not a team that anyone predicted would go ten and two. They might go nine and three. Not really many people were predicting nine and three either. Even if it, the losses are in Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. No, it's not good. But considering where this team was a year ago, considering that 8-4 and four was seen as being an optimistic prediction, the fact that, like, okay, I understand things change in season, but you still have to remember what the things were before the season. It just, that doesn't go away. You know, the, the, the expectations change, as they should. But that doesn't mean suddenly, okay, because now that they're better, that because they weren't even better than that, that doesn't suddenly mean that uh, everything's got to be terrible. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think the thing is, is this team is, I know it's it's this, this sounds bad because it's year seven of Jim Harbaugh, but considering what last year was and the complete revamping of everything, this team is still ahead of schedule. Very few people would have thought seven and one, and if any anyone who did would have thought that that loss was to Wisconsin. Wisconsin is proving to be more and more of a quality win as weeks go by. So that uh, that's a good thing. Michigan just needs to focus and do its thing, and so don't don't. I mean, you can react as much as you want to to the game that just happened. Certainly, the team has has said we're not shying away from it. We own that loss, which is a good thing. But don't don't act like what happened on Saturday means anything for next Saturday, the Saturday after that, the Saturday after that, or the, the final Saturday. It's going to be a week-at-a-time situation. And certainly when I look at this team, 3-1 and one seems likely, which means 10-2. and two. They certainly could be 9-3. and three. They certainly also could be 11-1, and one, depending on what happens between now and then. If they have three games and discover, oh, we we figured out some things based off of what happened in this last game and or the fact that they've been not so secretly preparing, been preparing for Ohio State all along here, that changes the dynamic of that game potentially. We're seeing athletes making plays. That's good news. You need to see more from some guys. This was not a great game for Blake Corum, which is disappointing. 
he made a couple plays, but he obviously he dropped the touchdown. Uh, he he, you know, fumbled the handoff. There are things that need to be better, but still, things are still trending upward. There's still a lot to gain from this. A lot of things that can move forward. There's still time for that. I know a lot of you don't want to hear it. You just want to be angry. Be angry. It is what it is, but there's still more season. You'll be a lot more angry. Let me tell you, if they don't recover from this and then they just lose out, go seven and five, everyone can say, I told you so. That would be bad, but I don't think that's going to happen. There's at least two wins on that schedule left that gets you to nine and three. I think that they can take down Penn State. We'll see about Ohio State. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We will be back Tuesday. Uh, pro football focus, maybe. Probably either that'll be Tuesday or Wednesday. I haven't asked about tomorrow, so probably Wednesday. So we're going to go back to playing it iffy. We'll, we'll plan for Wednesday for them. Tomorrow we'll figure out what we're going to talk about. Anyway, that'll do it for us. Thank you for watching and or listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.